Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Hey, we are starting a new series today, and I'm really excited about it. So I just want to go ahead and jump into it. If you want to turn with me all the way to the beginning of your Bible or scroll, I guess if you're scrolling, you don't really have to go very far. You just open it. And you're gonna be right there. We're gonna look at two verses of scripture in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2. There are two passages that kind of work together side by side as we read these two kind of poetic narratives about the formation and the creation of the world and of life and of you and me. And the first one is Genesis 1 and 27. Is that right? 27 or 29? 27. Looking at Genesis 1 and 27, and it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then if you've read Genesis 1 and 2 before, you know Genesis 2 kind of retells the story of creation from a little bit different perspective So if you jump with me to Genesis 2 and 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence that's already here. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. God, we honor you today, and we recognize that you are a creator God, that you are the creator of all things, and yet you are a creative God who is forming us and making us more like you. We ask you to speak to us today. I ask you to speak through me, God, and give us ears to hear what you're saying. Give us hearts that are open and receptive, God. Let it um, take root in our life. Let it change us and make us more like you in the days to come. I thank you that somebody is encountering you for the first time today. I thank you that somebody is coming home to you today, Jesus. And already we want to say thank you for the baptisms that we're getting ready to celebrate in just a little bit. What an incredible thing today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've been getting on TikTok the last few weeks. I've been like getting into it. So this is the thing, right? So I turned 35 in a couple months. I know. So it's like I kind of all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I have to like pay attention to stay up on what's going on. Have you ever had that experience where you're in a room and everyone's joking about something and you can tell, I should know what's going on right now, but I don't really know what's going on. There's obviously some kind of pop culture reference that I have missed in the moment. I'm having that experience a lot in my life. And so all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I gotta stay up on what's going on. And I don't really want you to feel bad for me because this is, like, I was the kid that when I was like seven years old, I was offended that I was relegated to the kids' table. I was like, how dare you? I have adult things to talk about today. I am ready. So I've really been waiting to be like at this stage of my life pretty much since I was seven years old. No one has tried to put me at the kids' table in years and it is a fantastic stage of life for me. I have been waiting for it, but it does mean that I have to be a little bit more intentional about what I'm paying attention to and about staying up on what's going on and and making sure I'm connected to what's happening and all of these things. I know many of you are like, we know, and in a couple more years, you're just gonna give up on it entirely. This is what I'm afraid of. 
I'm afraid that in a couple years, I'm totally going to lose touch with it. But for now, I am doing my best to stay up. So I'm on TikTok, scrolling on TikTok. I'd only been on there for like three hours or something like that. It's amazing how much time you can lose on seven second videos in your life. Scrolling away, I come across this one video and it's one of these videos where, you know, they take a music bed and then the person who's doing it like mouths along to the song and they pretend like they're the one singing the song. If I can just tell on my age, I find it very odd to be honest. I'm like, you're not singing the song. What are we doing here? But anyway, maybe that's just because I wish that I could sing. So it's this video. It's the music is going and the girl is singing along to it. And so I stop and I'm watching it and I'm listening to it. And this is where the story turns for me. I start listening to the words of this song that she's like passionately singing. She cares enough about it that she has placed it on her platform as part of what she wants the world to know about her life. And the words of the song are like, Everything doesn't matter at all. Nothing means anything anyway. It doesn't matter what we do. Here's where it really got deep for me. You're unimportant. I'm unimportant too. Shouldn't we all just know that this doesn't really matter and there's no point or purpose to it anyway? And I kept watching it, waiting for like, where's the turn in this? Where's the, you know, like certainly this is, there's, it's going to flip in a moment or there's going to come something else. Where, where's the sunshine that's about to break through the clouds? And then I scroll and I was reading the description on it and the description that they'd put with it was like, isn't this great news that I'm so unimportant and you're so unimportant too? And everything in me, I was like, I wish that I could just get through this phone right now and get, get to you, get through this video because I was in the middle of studying for this series that we're, we're getting into, this series that we're calling From Dust. And there's this line in Genesis 3 where God is speaking to Adam and Eve and he says, from dust you came and from dust you'll return. And it begged the question in me, and what about all of the in-between? What about all of the space and all of the time that happens from when I come to when I go? What about, what am I going to do with the minutes and the moments and the days and the hours that I've been given? And I just want to maybe steal the punchline for you that I could not disagree more with this song. You have great importance. You have incredible value. You are here with a purpose. And what you do with your days and your hours and your minutes and your moments is incredibly meaningful. I think it has eternal value that God made us and he formed us and he sent us into the world with an express purpose and express design and not just us, us, you, specifically you, that he saw you and he formed you and he came for you and he looks at you and he thinks about you and he is in love with you and you have something to do and you have something to share and you have something to bring and you have great purpose and you have special gifts and you have special talents and you have something to offer and you have something to bring when God sees you. It matters what we do. And over the next weeks, we are going to be looking at what does it mean to be me? 
And what does it mean to interact with the people that I live next to? And what does God say about how I spend this time? What does God say about the way that we live and about the purpose of my life and my creation and what I do with my hours and my days? We're going to be digging into all of that. But before we answer any of that, I think there's an important question we have to ask. Who are you? Who are you? You can ask the person next to you, who are you? You can ask somebody online, who are you? It seems like an easy question, but I bet if we went around the room, there are dozens of ways that we would answer it. Depending on what comes to our mind first, depending on what we think about, depending on what we care about, there's all kinds of ways that we would answer the question, who are you? If you're like me, I have probably an obsession with personality assessments. I find them really fascinating. I've found them really useful tools in my life, but also I kind of like to pretend I'm like a weekend psychologist and just like me and Google is where I've gotten my psychology degree. So I love to interact with it and it makes me feel like I'm a little bit of a psychologist when I can dig into personality assessments. So if you asked me, I might list for you my DISC assessment and my Myers-Briggs letters and my Enneagram letters and my Strength Finders top five. And I'd say, well, this is a picture of who I am. That's not really who I am. Any more than when you told me your favorite hobbies on the weekend or the job that you go to or the role that you play in your family. All of the things that we list that say, who are you? At the end of the day, who are you? Are you the title that they gave you on your business card? Are you the neighborhood that you grew up in? Are you a dad? Are you a husband? Are you a wife? Are you a mother? All of these things are, are parts of who we are, but who are you? Who are you at your core? Who are you if we strip all of that away? This foundational truth of who are you? Who are you at the end of the day? Well, the poet in Genesis told us that God created man in his own image. In his image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Created. You are created. You are formed. He repeats it three times, or she, I guess, we don't totally know who wrote Genesis, repeats it three times. You are created, created, created. He created you. God created you. He brought you into existence. He formed you and he made you. He designed you the way that you are on purpose. God made you out of the dust of the earth. It says he formed you and he breathed his life into you. I love working with creative people. I love all of you guys, but if I'm honest, they're kind of some of my favorite people to work with because they bring so much to the table and they get so excited about the work that they do and they see things a little bit differently than, than the rest of us. And, and I mean, like, like, I'm kind of creative. I have, like, a creative streak in me, but I mean, like, creative people. You know, like, you know somebody, like, creative in your life, that it's, like, everything they do has, like, an aesthetic to it. 
Everything they do just oozes of design and creativity and a special view and a special look and, and every way. That, I mean, they just come to the table and you know there's going to be colors and there's going to be angles and there's going to be forms and there's going to be new designs and there's going to be, you know, thinking that says, let's stretch the limits and let's try. I love working with creative people. It's one of my favorite spaces to be in. And, and one of the challenges of working with creative people is when you come to them and you start saying, okay, we gotta form this, we gotta move this, we gotta edit the space sometimes, is it can be really challenging as you help them walk through that process because at the end of the day, one of them is always going to say to you, but I've put so much of myself into this. God created you and he put so much of himself into you. God is a creative God. He created you. You are the design of his creation. And it says when he created you, he breathed the breath of life. He breathed himself into you. Nothing else in creation has this mark. The rest of creation, he used his words and he called it forth and he said, let this come in, let that come in, let this come to being, make the sky like this, make the trees look like this. But when he formed you, he said, I need to put myself in that. I need to breathe the breath of life in that. I need to breathe me. And it says he formed you in his image. All of the rest of creation came out of his creativity, but there was something about you and something about me that when he formed us and when he made us, it didn't look like anything else. He said, no, I want to mark this part of creation with part of me. And he put himself on the inside of you, formed from the dust of the earth, but breathed in with the breath of heaven, an eternal breath, a heavenly breath, a piece of God that lives on the inside of you and of me. And it says he formed them in his image, repeated again, in his image. He made them male and female. He created them in his image image, a piece of God living and working and walking around on earth. Here he was in flesh and in blood, a part of what it means to be the creator of the universe, wrapped up in tiny mini forms, broken up in different pieces all around you. When you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? Who are you? Do you look at yourself and see the image of God? Because he didn't hide it in the text. He didn't bury it far in the story. It's not hidden for you to try and find and discover. Right up front, he said, when I made you, I made you in my image. And the stillness in the room and the way that we live our lives is evidence that we don't really grasp that I was made in his image that I am an image of God, that there is part of who God is that is present in me, 
that there is part of the creator of the universe, the one who told the stars where to stand, the one who breathed life into all creation, that there is part of he who is all-knowing and all-being, that there is part of the God who was and is and is to come, the one who designed it all, the one who saw it all, the healer of the heavens and the earth, the one who came to bind up the broken. There is part of this grand, great God that is wrapped up invisible inside of you and inside of me. I know that we haven't grasped it because if you saw yourself as the image of God in the way that he sees you as the image of God, you wouldn't walk into every space that you walk your image into. If you saw yourself as the image of God in the way that he sees you as the image of God, you wouldn't be caught up in every relationship. You wouldn't let somebody speak to you like that. You wouldn't let somebody lay hands on you like that. You wouldn't inject yourself with everything that comes down the road. You wouldn't cut yourself like that. You wouldn't think about ending your life like that. My God, you wouldn't let the enemy come and lie to you and tell you who he thinks you are, that you're not worth anything, that you're not valuable of anything, that you have no purpose in life, that there's nothing for you. No, if you saw yourself the way that God sees you, he sees you as an image of him walking around. If you saw yourself, if you saw yourself the way God formed you, the way God made you, if you saw yourself as the image of God wrapped up and I know I know that we don't. I'm trying to grasp it. When I doubt myself, when I say to myself, you're not enough. Is God enough? Because he made me in his image. When I say to myself, you don't have the smarts for that right there. Does God have the smarts for that right there? Because he made me in his image. I know we haven't grasped it because we count ourselves out when we should be tapping ourselves in because we hold back when we should be pushing forward because we say we can't when God says you can I made you in my image you are the image of God walking around I know we haven't grasped it yet because we're still fighting in gender wars, we for centuries we lost half of the voice of God in our churches because of sloppy interpretation that told women they weren't allowed to speak. And God said, that's my image. We've lost decades on decades and centuries on centuries fighting over racism, fighting over corners. And God said, that's my image. Why are you pushing each other down? Why are you fighting with one another? Why are you shackling each other? Invisible and invisible shackles. That is my image. We have to see ourselves and see each other as the pieces of God that he sent into the earth to be a picture of who he is. The psalmist in Psalm, is it Psalm 8, Psalm 7? Psalm 8. Psalm 8, 4 and 5 says this. It says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. And watch this. Yet you made them only a little lower than God. And you crowned them with glory and honor. He made you only a little lower than God himself. When God made you, he made you in his image. 
And if you look back, many of your interpretations or many of your scriptures when you read it won't say made you a little lower than God. It'll say made you a little lower than the angels or made you a little bit lower than heavenly beings. And many scholars believe that that how that version came into our text is because the word that is used there in the original is the word Elohim, word that some of you have heard used before, a word that is often translated as God, used to refer to God. But when early translators were translating it, they were intimidated by that thought, by that interpretation. And so they thought, surely it must just mean heavenly beings. But I believe, and I agree with many scholars who say, that's not what the psalmist meant. The psalmist meant, you have made me just a little bit lower than you, God. That when you created all of creation right there next to God, right just below him, was God was you and was me. He said he created man in his image. Well, what is an image? What does it mean to be an image of God? The word image there is the same word as the word idols or the word statues. Idols or statues that would be used, as many of you would know, in ancient cultures as well as other current cultures, just not here in our culture, as places where people went to worship, as places where people went to offer their sacrifice or to see a representative of, of their God. We don't have a great context for it, really, um, in, in our culture, but the closest thing I could think of, you know, a couple weeks ago, Phil and I had the chance to go down to D.C. with some other leaders from our, from our city here. And as we were walking around Washington, D.C., looking at all of the sites, all around the city, there's all kinds of statues and all kinds of monuments that are there to help us think about different people who had important roles in our country's foundation and in our country's forming. There's pictures, there are monuments and statues of people like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr. all throughout and all kinds of other people. And they play an important role. And when God said, I made you in my image, he was trying to give us a picture that there is something that happens when we erect these statues and these idols that you'll see in other places, but I don't want a formed statue. I don't want a formed idol. The the way that you come and you see me and that you experience me isn't in the way that you come and you experience these other statues, but I want you to think of it like that because I sent you. I sent you in the place. And when we see these statues, one of the things that happens is that we remember. We remember the person that it's there to memorialize. We remember the person that it's there to give us a picture of. And part of what God's saying is when you see you and when you see her and when you see him, it should bring to remembrance that there is a creative God. We should see each other and we should stand in awe. We should see each other and we should feel the wonder of who he is. We should see each other and recognize that there is a picture of God standing in front of me right now. We should look at one another and we should know and it should cause us to reflect on the fact that there is a great God among us. That there is a God who saw not to put himself in wood or not to put himself in metal, not to trap himself in a location, but to put himself in you and in I. 
The other thing that an image does, that a statue does or an idol does, is it reflects who this person is, who this person was, who, whether this is representing a great king, a great monarch, a, a, a false deity, whether it's representing someone who has lived, it reflects something about who the person was, how they lived their life. When you are seen walking around, there is something about the character of who God is that he wants to become visible in you, that he wants to be demonstrated in you, that he wants to be recognized in you. When you show up, we should learn something about just who God is. When you come into the room, a little image of God walks into the room and we see something about who God is. Yes, you with your loud self. There's something loud about who God is. I see you, Tony. When we walk into the room, there's something about who God is that we see in the way that you care for people because he's a caring God. When you walk into the room, there's something we see about the way that God brings instruction and direction with your administrative gift because he is a God who lines things up, who instructs us, who gives us direction, who makes the plan and the path clear for us. Your strategic thinking is a picture of who God is that he gave you to help us understand a little bit more about who he is. That's not just some side thing. That's not just some quirky thing about you. That's just not something that you're family always wished that you would be quiet or your family always wished that you would be louder because there's something about the way that you are sweet and about the way that you are mild because it also says that he is a comforter it also says that he knew how to be meek and how to be lowly there is something about who you are that should reflect the character of God that reflects who he is The other thing that statues did, specifically historically, is that they would erect these idols in different areas and different territories. You guys, this part's so good. They would erect these idols in different territories to be the image. And when you saw the image of whatever the monarch was or whoever the pharaoh was or whoever the ruling power was, they would erect this statue like in the center of town. And when you saw it, it was a picture. It was a demonstration. It was an announcement to everyone that where that statue was, the authority of that ruler was in that place. God said, I have made you my image i have made you the picture of who i am i have sent you into the earth as my image bearers not stationary formed like a statue just as a picture but as a living moving thinking created being created in his image walking around he says when you are seen when you show up it is a representation it is an announcement that that is the place where my authority is that that is the place where my reign is made relevant that is the place where my authority my power my reign my my stretch wherever you walk he told Abraham wherever the soles of your feet go Abraham's a guy in the bible who we can talk about uh, he was awesome And God told him, wherever you walk, wherever your feet go, that's where I'll be. God said, wherever you go, wherever you show up, 
Wherever you walk, that's where my authority is. Wherever you walk up, wherever you show up, whatever room you come into, that's where my reign is. Wherever my people are, that's where my authority is because my people are my physical representation. My people are my earthly demonstration of who I am. My people are the image that I have chosen to send out into every corner of the earth. Go, he told them. And when you go, when you show up, they're going to know that God is in this place, that God comes along with you, that the image of the creator of heavens and earth has showed up. He sent you into that school, not just to hang out, to be his visible representation in the midst of that place. When you walk into that classroom, it's an announcement that the reign of heaven and earth is here, that the reign of the God who rules it all is here. And it's an announcement on the inside of you. It's why I wish the people of God would stop walking in slowly and wondering. No, I'm not talking about you have to be rude and obnoxious. I'm talking about when you show up on the inside of you, you know an announcement was just made. That the ruler of heaven and earth has authority in this place as well. When you show up, you know that all of heaven is standing with me. When you show up, you know I was created and formed and made in the image of God. And I have shown up in this place. When you show up, you know that heaven's rule and reign is in this place. And when you show up... The enemy and all his little rulers and murders, they got to know that as well, that the power of heaven just showed up in this place. All of hell shakes when you show up because an image bearer of God just showed up in this place. An image bearer of God just walked onto the set. An image bearer of God just walked into the painting room. An image bearer of God just walked into the meeting. An image bearer of God just showed up in the classroom. Everywhere that you go, your rule and your reign and your authority because you are the image of God. Can we see the image of God? That he designed us. And he said, I don't want my image to be stagnant. I don't want my image to be stationary. And by the way, my image is too multifaceted, too complicated, too too colorful, too loud and too quiet all at the same time to be wrapped up in one singular image. It's going to take a whole lot of people for you to get even a glimpse of a kind of a picture of just what kind of a God I am. He is an awesome God. He is a powerful God. He is a multifaceted, multidimensional God. And he said, it's going to take all of you to show up, to say, this is what my image looks like. When we see each other, do we see the image? of God then it said he breathed his breath into them and when he breathed his breath into them he put his image on the inside he stamped them in his image and when he stamped them in his image he gave the man and the woman he gave you and he gave me something that he didn't give to any of the rest of creation He gave them the capacity to be in relationship with him. He said, you have what the trees don't have. You have what the dolphin can never hope for. You hope what the flowers and all of their splendor will never be able to obtain. You have what the mountains as high as they reach can never grasp. You have what the wind won't touch. You have what the waves as they roll can never reach out and grab, what they will never be able to consume. You have the capacity for relationship 
with God. He called us his own. He called us his image, and he said, you are my image bearers, and I want to be close to you. I want you to come into relationship with me. He said, I put something on the inside of you that allows you to do what no one else in creation can do, to come and speak with me, to come and sit with me, to pour out your heart to me, to rejoice with me and to mourn with me, to walk with me. The creator of heaven and earth designed you in such a way that you would have a longing in your soul to be close to him, a longing in your heart to walk with him, a longing on the inside of you for this thing that nothing else seems to be filling and nothing else seems to be able to come up close to. He said, because there is a space in you that I breathed into that would draw you back to me unlike any other part of creation you have the capacity for relationship with God I would love for everyone in this room to stand right now because when we think about just look around you all of these image bearers all of these people that show us a little bit of a picture of who God is. All of these people who God breathed his life in and formed and created to be in his image. And when God saw you and he created you, he said, my desire for you is for you to be in relationship with me. To come and be in relationship together. So as we get ready to step into baptisms, before we do that, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's for two groups of people. The first group is that I want to pray a prayer with you. If you're saying, you know what, I kind of know who God is, but if I'm honest, I haven't really been walking with him. If I'm honest, I haven't really been in relationship with him. I want to pray a prayer, and today can be your day to say, I am going to step into a relationship with God. And then the second prayer I'm going to pray is for somebody that says, I've never been in relationship with God before, but I want to be in relationship with a God like that. A God that wants me, that desires me, that longs for me, that created me in his image. Today is your day then to step in and to say, I am coming into relationship with him. So this is what we're going to do all together as a church family. We're going to pray this prayer. I like for us to pray it together because there is an enemy who's going to want you to feel isolated and separated and alone. And when you hear that and when you feel that, I want you to remember the sound of everyone in this room and everyone online praying this prayer together with you. When you get welcomed home into relationship with God, you also get welcomed home into relationship with his church family. Amen. So I'm going to say some words and then you say some words. That's how we're going to do this. Heavenly Father. I thank you for who you are. And I celebrate how you made me. Today, I want to be in relationship with you. So I say no to a life ruled by myself. And I say yes to a life led by you. From today on, 
I am a Christian. I am a Christian. I am a Christian. And I want you to do one more thing for me. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if you just said that prayer for the first time in a long time or for the first time ever in your life, I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing and shoot your hand straight up in the air. This church family wants to celebrate with you. And we have stuff that we want to get in your hand. So one, if you just accepted a relationship with Jesus. Two, I promise you it is the best decision you have ever made with your life. Three, I want your hand straight up in the air right now. I see you, sir, here in the front. I saw you, ma'am. I see you guys in the balcony. Come on, church, let's celebrate. I see you down front. Come on, hands are up in this room. We are celebrating with you that you just said yes to a life in relationship with Jesus. Come on.